Before I start the show today, I would just like to say 20% of people still don't follow or subscribe to this podcast. If you're one of those 20%, could you please hit the follow button, hit subscribe, turn notifications on, and get involved with the show with RBL Talk. This podcast is for you, the listeners, and everyone worldwide who is an RB Leipzig fan and supporter. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the show. Hello everyone and welcome to RBL Talk. On this week's show, we have some club news. We dissect their DFB Pockel game against VFL Wolfsburg. We take a look ahead to our next match against Red Star Belgrade in the Champions League. And we have the RBO Talk segment with your support input on the show. Starting off today with club news. And happy birthday to Willie Orban, who is celebrating his 31st birthday this week. Willie Orban has been a great part of our history and a great player for us for some time. Also our current captain. He's still out with injury. Having said that, he will be back in the next coming weeks. Arsenal are reporting eyeing a potential move for an RB Leipzig striker, Benjamin Sesko. RB Leipzig beat several Europe's biggest clubs, including Manchester United, to the signing of Benjamin Sesko for a reported fee of around £21 million in 2022. However, the Slovenian forward did not move to the Bundesliga until July 2023, and spent last season in Austria with Red Bull Salzburg impressively netting 18 goals in 41 appearances. Arsenal manager Michael Arteta is com- contemplating bolstering his squad with another striker despite having Gabriel Jesus and Eddie Nakaith with Leandro Tossard and Kai Havertz as options. According to Fabrizio Romano, Arsenal are interested in Sesco and Romano believes the Slovenian international would be an excellent choice for every club around Europe. However, RB Leipzig is not inclined to part with him in the upcoming January window, with a potential move more likely for summer 2024 or 2025. Romano wrote by a court offside, Some Arsenal fans are asking me about reports linking them with the interest in Benjamin Sesko, but I'm not currently aware of anything concrete happening there. He's been linked with many clubs, but as far as I understand, it's nothing advanced at the moment. Just normal scouting activity. He added, I really like Sesko. He'd been an excellent choice for every club around Europe. Still, it's important to respect RB Leipzig as well, because at the moment, they don't want to sell. They don't want to lose any of their top players in January. As I recently reported, this is more likely to be one for summer 2024 or even 2025. But what's your take on it? I'd like to know. Send that in to show at rbltalk.com. I hope we get to pick, sorry, get to keep him. And I would also like to see him start more. I honestly think... He could easily score 15 goals this season as long as he gets the opportunities. And with our upcoming fixtures and squad rotations, I believe he'll be able to score those. 
onto a little bit of sombering news. Denny Olmo is reportedly set to miss the rest of 2023 after shoulder surgery. RB Leipzig star Danny Olmo has played his last game for this year. After suffering a separation of the acromicrolagavacular joint, I probably butchered that. If someone needs to correct me on that one. As you could probably tell, English is actually not a strong point of mine, even though that I am Australian. Actually, I had a speech impediment uh, growing up as a child. Uh, some people wouldn't know, but there is uh, a slight problem occasionally with some words that I can pronounce. The Spaniard has undergone successful surgery on his shoulder. The exact date when Almo will be fully fit will become clear in the coming weeks. But a return in January seems the most likely. The 25-year-old had just returned from a knee injury when he injured his shoulder against FC Cologne at the weekend. He has scored six goals in seven appearances in all competitions this season. My little take on that Danny Olmo injury, it's absolutely unfortunate. There's no... I have no problem with anyone or... Like Marco Rosa putting him on, he was, it was the right time to be put on. It was just unfortunate that he came on and only a few minutes in got injured. He's just having a really bad luck of form. And hopefully this is the build up of all that bad luck and he can have a majority uninterrupted season for the rest of this season. On to the Wolfsburg game. Three things that we learned v. Wolfsburg. I believe that we were embarrassed by Wolfsburg, outplayed and outclassed by a hoodoo team. Now, when I say a hoodoo team, it's one of those teams where with either being able to win quite comfortably or we've been able to get that three-point win quite easily in the end, or we we get beaten and we just don't look like the RB Leipzig team that we all seem to, we know and come to expect of the RB Leipzig football brand. Now, it was one of those games where you you come into it, the title defence holders, you know, you come in, you expect to win, especially against Wolfsburg. No discredit to Wolfsburg. They are still a good side. However, if you're going to turn around and we could have, it was a big chance miss of making history that not even Bayern Munich has even done in the Bundesliga, which really says something in its own right, as I, I think they've got practically all the records anyway, that we could have been the first team to win the DFB Pockel three years in a row. Hopefully, in the coming years, we can still achieve that. Uh, however, it'll be up to someone else to win it this year. And I'm actually hoping for an upset. I'm still going to watch some of the cup games, uh, obviously not for the podcast, but just in general, football in general. And I'd like to like to see a team, even if it's a, if it's a second division team, uh, win the Pockle this year. I reckon that would just be really good for the cup itself. You know, it's hard to to stay in the game when you've got players down 
and we don't really play well with the only 10 players on the pitch. Uh, I, I believe that Powson, uh, I like the player. Yusuf has been with us for many years now, and the intensity of a cup game, I think, it it just got to him a little bit. Like He, he knew when you watched that second tackle, he goes in, and then he goes, he just has that moment. You just see him try to pull out. He goes, oh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to make it. And then next minute, he's he's collected the player. Then he knows it, second yellow, sent off. When you're on a yellow, you just don't make those challenges. It's, it's a little bit of player fault, and it's a little bit of managerial fault. I don't believe that Marco Rosa could have taken him off really any earlier than what could have been achieved as you know, looking at when the red card happened, happened around, if I remember correctly, around the start of the second half, around like the 55th minute or 60th minute or, or something like that. So that's normally when when you would like to essentially make your changes. and. Yeah, it's just unfortunate that he he just had a bit of a brain fade there, as 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 you all do uh, under pressure, uh, being big cup game. You're already one nil down. You you know you've you're trying to establish dominance and win the ball back, get that equalising goal. That way you've got the next rest of the game. Hopefully, you don't have to go into extra time, and obviously go clinch the win and progress through the round robin. That being said, we should have just thrown caution to the wind and just gone all out. If we were going to lose, instead of losing 1-0, I believe we should have just gone all out, especially once we were ten down to 10 men. I believe that we should have just gone straight out, caution in the wind, just go. If, if we're going to lose, lose 3-0. At least you can't say, oh, we didn't throw everything at it. We didn't throw the kitchen sink at it. We didn't try absolutely everything. Unfortunately, you know, we got overexposed, we down the extra man, and we lost. I would have rather have had that than still playing in more of a cautious way. And there were chances, don't get me wrong, that we could have equalized and possibly won. And it just wasn't our night, and that's okay. It's just I would have liked to have seen a bit more of a urgency in our team and players to have tried to to win that. And last but not least, uh, some questionable tactics by Marco Rose. Uh, I have no knocks on Marco Rose's ability to be a manager at the top level and still take us further. I still believe he is the manager to take us further in this competition and also everywhere. In the Bundesliga, in, you know, he's won a Super Cup, he's already won us a Pockel. Uh, I think he could even be the first manager to give us a UFA Champions League. I don't believe we'll win it this year. I am hoping for going into a semi-finals or quarter-finals, going deep into that competition. It really depends on who we draw up against and how fit our squad is. But I still believe Marco Rosa is the manager for that. But it was a bit odd for me when you're 1-0 you're down, 
you're down to 10 men and you don't make any changes for a good, like almost 15 minutes, 15, 20 minutes. So our first actual changes happened in the 73rd minute mark when that second yellow and sending off of Yusuf Powelson happened in the 56th minute. I don't know why you wouldn't straight away almost 60th minute, 63rd minute, make a change. And, you know, then you had uh, Costello Jr. end up getting a yellow card, which when you've got your down to 10 men and you've already got, you know, your central defenders getting other yellow cards, you have to start thinking about that. That's where I would have made some changes and I would have swapped out uh, Costello instead of, so another fallback on Kevin Campbell and Schlager substitution was the correct one as Kevin Campbell is a lot better defensively. And then you got Benjamin Sesco on for Timo Werner. I believe that was also a good change as you've got Timo Werner just hiring from match fitness, get some fresh legs on. Obviously, everyone knows my rating of Benjamin Sesco. He's a great young player, and I hope we do keep him for the long term. And Simakan uh, came on as well, which I believe was the right call for a tiring Costello. That being said, you know, we had only two other changes for the game, and when you took off a pender in the 86th minute mark, I just thought, well, you're not really going to win. You're not going for a win here, and I don't even think you're going for a draw. I think they were, he was just giving Fabio Cavallio a bit of actual game time. So, which, if you're going to do that, you've got to at least put him on in the 80th minute, give him 10 minutes or so to run around. I know he's only a loanee from Liverpool, however, Xavi Simmons is still a loanee from PSG. I mean, obviously, they're not one of the same. They're one of the same as in they're both loan players. But when it comes to actual talent and class, obviously, Xavi's a lot better. But you do have to think that Fabio Cavallio hasn't even shown us anything. So did you get him based on as an option to get there and just bolstering your squad? Or did you get him for a reason for this season? And he has shown some talent as well, playing for Liverpool and being on loan for his team last season. So there is that option there of being able to play him. And that there is essentially my take on the Wolfsburg game. In summary, we lost. wasn't our night. Upset about it a little bit, but it's not the end of the world. It does, however, free up our calendar for the rest of the season. We can focus on the Bundesliga and the Champions League. I just feel that going back, well, not going back to back, however, getting that small piece of history, winning it three times for the first time, and you get that prize money from the Pockel, I believe the Champions League prize money for quarterfinals is probably a lot more than winning the Pockle. However, I've just always liked to see us winning a trophy, not getting a trophy per season as per se, but 
if if we've won the trophy, then obviously I would like to see us keep and retain that for as long as possible. Looking ahead to our next game against Red Star Belgrade in the Champions League Group G. The last game we played against them was also in the Champions League, which was just a week ago, which was the first time we ever played them ever in our history. It was quite a comfortable win in the end with a 3-1 scoreline, and in Belgrade this time, with a home crowd, I expect a hostile atmosphere from the home side and a difficult task ahead. I do predict a win, albeit a small one, and I believe that'll be around a 2-1 scoreline. What I'd like to see in the next match is press on the ball vigorously. I know that if we overcommit, we will be prone to counterattacks. But we can't give Red Star Belgrade a lot of time on the ball, as with their home crowd behind them, they can get the upset win. Go in, silence the crowd early, in the first 10 minutes would be ideal, as we need to keep the game on our terms. The longer the game goes, even on the score, it was even on the scoreline, that home crowd, we can easily find ourselves behind. All in all, I'm actually looking really forward to it, even though in our group, we should be comfortably going through with a win against Red Star Belgrade. We should be quite comfortably going through. I don't believe it's mathematically possible, even if we lose the last two games against Man City and Young Boys. That being said, when you're traveling away to a ground that is known to be very passionate fans, very hostile to the opposition, and when I mean hostile, I don't mean any violence or disrespect or anything like that. A good uh, way of thinking of it is in the... They're not in the uh, the Premier League or anything like that, but in England, uh, Millwall has been known to be a hostile crowd, even though that's a very small crowd. Uh, same as, I think, Valencia in La Liga, going to the Mestalla when they were really, really good in the early 2000s uh, with Rafael Benitez. It was very intimidating to go there. So go, going to... Serbia and having to play Red Star Belgrade in front of all their supporters, it's going to be tough. I do believe that we'll still score and we'll still win. And remember, you too can be a part of the show with the RBO Talk segment. You can even come on the show as a special guest. The way you do this is by interacting with us on Twitter or email in at show at rbotalk.com. More information in detail on how to get involved with the show for free in the show notes. Now, as there's no RBL Talk segment for this week, or for this extra episode, I should say, there's a couple of things I'd like to say. So the first thing is that the October Player of the Months have been released. And that is just strictly for the podcast. That's not from the club or anything like that. There's two polls on Twitter. There's who was your October player of the month? And you've still, as of this recording, it'll be by the time this is released, it's going to be about three days left. You're going to have two polls there on the same same post. They're both attached. And that link to that poll 
Both polls are in the show notes. First is, who was your October Player of the Month? And the second is, who impressed you the most this October with little appearances slash game time? That second poll was the most hardest one to be able to do because I had to go through and find out who has played less because most players have played similar amount of appearances between six and eight, normally seven or eight. However, a lot of them haven't had game time. So go check out those polls and vote on you would like to, if you'd like to. And results will be on next week's show. And now I wanted to take to the podcast to actually answer someone on social media. So I'll link the thread in here on Twitter. They go to say, and I'll read out and I quote from Suto Renji at Suto Renji 13th. And this is on Twitter. They said, you don't follow this team for very long, I reckon. Of course, today was awful, but we have the first big rebuild going on right now and are still going strong. Losing this game ain't that big a deal. We have opportunities. If you expect a title per season support, Bayern, please. My response, and I'll go into a more detailed response, but this is just the sponsor I put on social media. I've been supporting the team since its foundation and watched games as much as I could from three Bundesliga division. Don't go telling me who to support. Get lost. You're not worth my time for all resources. Goodbye. I should have elaborated a little bit on that post, and as I can't edit it, as you weren't worth my time or resources at the time of the writing, which is the reason why I've decided to put it on this podcast. Now, your the response back was, why are your expectations so high if you support since 2009, though? I do go to almost every game since 2010. And I'm, I'm glad you are a supporter that have gone to every game since 2010. And why are my expectations so high? Well, I don't know what it's like for you and as you would be living in Germany. But myself, as a supporter, internationally... I want to see us I want to see us win everything. I want to see us dominate everything. I want to see us beat Bayern. I want to see us win and keep the pockle. I want to see us win the Champions League. I want to see us win Super Cups like which we have. Now, I don't think we should get a title every season. I would like to see us retain the pockle every season. As that's realistic. For me, a realistic way of looking at the season is always finish top four so we play champions league football so we bring in more players because to attract the best players in the world be it youth academy or anyone else like really top players in their prime or even players that are finishing out their careers you want to win you want to be top four and play in the champions league because every footballer in the world wants to play champions league football Second, I believe that retaining the pockle was a realistic chance. So for me, my outline targets for the whole entire season would be as follows. Top four, Bundesliga a must. If you manage to win it, brilliant. If not, that's okay. Top four is a minimum. 
retaining the DFB Pockle. Why? Because we are one of the best teams in Germany and we should be still able to retain our cup. That being said, it's not the end of the world that we lost, but also the prize money and the prestige from winning that cup is also great for the club, especially being new. And two, obviously winning the Champions League would be ideal, that'd be great. However, the more idealistic way of I look at it is trying to get past the round of 16. So you get past your group stage, you get past your two round of 16 games, and I would say as close to the final as possible. Quarterfinals, semifinals, really depends on who you're playing. And at the end of the day, you're at the mercy of the fixture draw because if you're playing up against, say, Man City, one of the best teams in Europe, it's going to struggle to, especially that deep in the season, to get past. And if if you manage to beat some of the top teams in the world, like Man City and Real Madrid, and then you're in the final, but you're playing um, like Shakhtar Donetsk or something, you'd obviously expect us to win as we've knocked off bigger teams. But that being said, I don't think that we're close enough to be able to win that Champions League. We are depending on who we play, but that's it. So for me as a supporter internationally, I, all wanna, I always want to see us win. I always want to see us do well. But those are my guidelines for the season, which are all idealistic. So like I said, to break it down, top four Bundesliga, trying to retain the pockle and going as far as possible in the Champions League. That's not winning every single season and going to win a trophy every single season. That's just keeping the club as at the highest possible place we can domestically because we're retaining the pockle. We're also getting top four to bring in good players that are attractive to Champions League football. And on that note, that's the end of the show. As always, I'd like to thank the contributors for their contributions this week in RBL Talk, all back as supporters of the show, and thank you for listening to this podcast. If you could take a moment to leave a quick review and rate us where you listen to this podcast, it really helps us find new listeners and grow the show. So until next time, I've been Justin Crozer. Bye-bye for now.